coming to life. Harry Kuehl, Nakamura! Brilliant from Messi. Kakar and Gerrard. Pressure now on Park Ji-sung. What pressure. Tim Cahill has done it again! What a goal by Tim Cahill! Welcome, everyone. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. From fordiegos.com, my name's Rodrigo Rodriguez, and with me today is my co-host, Carlos Alberto Diego. Carlos, welcome to our weekly wrap of World Football. Thanks, Rodrigo, and hello to our listeners. On today's show, we'll cover the latest in the murky, murky saga that is the FIFA presidential election. We talk Socceroos, football in Oceania and Asia, the latest in European football, tackle the hot topic of the week, and we share a very special soft sombrero moment with coach of the World Cup-bound Matildas, Tommy Sermani. So, Rodrigo, as always, another big show. It certainly will be. Looking forward to that uh, interview with uh, Tommy Sermani. No cliches today, apparently, <laughs> but uh, he's a coach, so we'll... We'll get a few, I'm sure. Let's get stuck into the hot topic of the week. And over the last uh, month or so, this has been a regular hot topic. It's all about uh, Sepp Blatter and his merry men at FIFA. Carlos, he's been re-elected unopposed, so everything's uh, <laughs> nice and well at uh, FIFA. Rodrigo was a landslide victory, eight, 183 votes out of 205. Uh, there are 208 member associations. I'm not sure what happened to the other three. Maybe they just didn't turn up. But, uh, you know, on the surface of it... Uh, uh, Sepp will tell you the FIFA family is strong. They're uh, oblivious to any uh, corruption allegations and he'll be fixing things within the FIFA family. Uh, look, uh, you know, obviously, you know, 183 votes within the uh, the FIFA organisations at the Congress. You'd think that uh, that uh, is, a, you know, is a full confidence in Sepp Blatter, but he did stand alone. There were, there were no, uh, uh, no challenges at all, of course, after Mohammed bin Haman uh, was suspended uh, uh, in the lead-up to the election, uh, of course, pending investigation over allegations of corruption. Uh, Rodrigo, I'm not sure how to read it, except that I think that a lot of people think that this decision is very dubious. Oh, look, I think earlier in the week when he was uh, questioned, how are you going to fix the crisis in football? His statement was, football is not in a crisis. Crisis? What is a crisis? Yes. Now, if the world of football um, doesn't understand what a crisis is after the events of the last, well, since really the elections, uh, since the World Cup campaigns, um, the bids for 2018-2022, then SEP needs to get his head out of the sand because um, if he's going to fix some things at FIFA, he needs to really understand that there's a crisis going on in the world game. And from the guys who are supposed to adhere to all the fair play morals and um, everything around FIFA, um, this guy's got to lead from the front. I put to you, Carlos, that the election should not have happened. Unopposed, Mohammed bin Hammam, who was the only um, opposing candidate, obviously dropped out for, for reasons that we could talk about. But... Uh, the election should have stopped. Of course, you're on David Bernstein's side, the uh, chairman am. of the FA. Of course, uh, you ha he had one supporter in the Scottish uh, FA chairman. Uh, no one else uh, actually backed uh, FA. Was it, it was a courageous stance by the English FA, but in the end uh, they were slammed oh. uh, by a number of uh, members of the Congress as, uh, as troublemakers, uh, that the English always complain they're sour grapes because they didn't get the 2018 World Cup. Uh, the, the problem with all this, Rodrigo, the facts are nine of the 24 uh, ex-co members, executive committee members, have been uh, investigated for corruption in the last six months. Now, that in itself, uh, that's their own ethics committee has, uh, has brought that down, those nine members of that committee. So it's not the outside. It's not the English uh, tabloids. It's not the English FA. It's FIFA itself. It's got to look at, it, look at itself. And uh, I'm not sure whether it can fix itself. 
But uh, but I suppose it remains to be seen, Rodrigo. Sepp Blatter could be the as clean as white snow. But let's prove that because that's what we require. But anyway, the elections happened, and Mr. Joseph Blatter is still the uh, FIFA president. Now, to our listeners, I've never seen Rodrigo angry, but I'm you are angry. really angry about this. I'm angry. I can't. I can't see how FIFA and the you know the governing body and all its um, all its members decided to do this election. I, I'm, I am with the English on this, and they got held down for even suggesting that a re-election or the election um, gets postponed for a month or so. Rodrigo, I'm going to nominate you for the 2015 election. They should report to somebody, Carlos, <laughs> and I'm happy to, for them to report to me. Okay. I thought before the show you mentioned they should report to the Pope. Well, he's the only one. I mean, they can't report to the um, the Queen because she, you know, she loves the English Premier League, and the Pope, who, you know, he's been through it. He's you know. neutral. Yeah, he's pretty yeah. neutral. I reckon he's the one. He's the one that should run FIFA or at least uh, be reported to. But anyway. Fair play. That's what the Pope's all about, Carlos. Here, here to the soap opera. That's what I say. <laughs> Again, let's uh, let's move on now. We've got uh, plenty to talk about uh, today, including an interview with uh, Matilda's coach, Tommy Samani. Don't forget, if you'd like to be part of the show, you can email us on fordiegos at bigpond.com, F-O-U-R-D-I-E-G-O-S. We'd love to hear from you. And even on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash fordiegos. Let us know your thoughts on the world game. Coming up, an Asia-Pacific Australasian wrap. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. We can't win at home, and we can't win on the road. My problem as coach is that I can't think of another place to play. This has been a sad coaching moment by the four Diegos. Welcome back. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia, your weekly dose of world football. Coming up, stay tuned, live from... uh, from somewhere in Australia, it's Matilda's coach, uh, Tommy Samani, and we'll uh, look forward to having a chat to him. But first, um, let's just touch on Mohammed bin Hammam, Carlos, who um, was the Asia... You just can't leave it alone, no, no, can you, Rodrigo? Well, it's such a big leave topic. It alone. It's such a big topic. The hot topic has to leak into the Australasian rap. And Mohammed bin Hammam is the Asian uh, Confederation chief, and uh, he basically uh, was saddened that he had to uh, pull out of the race because of the, um, well, the suspension, which is, which is uh, you know, quite funny that, uh, you know, he had no choice really but to um, suspend. Uh, well, his... well, actually pulled out before, right. uh, before he, the ethics committee suspended him under investigation, Rodrigo. Let's, let's, uh, well, yeah, that's right. let's make this official. But what does this do to a, to a proud man, Mohammed bin Imam, who's done a fantastic job for the Asian Confederation? Seriously, I mean... This guy is—you've met him personally, Carlos. I have. You've spent some time with him. Yeah, I have. And uh, did you hug him or a, did you just a, shake he's hands? He's a charm. No, I was in the the group of people that shook hands. Oh, right. <laughs> but the people who knew him well kissed him on both cheeks. You were outer on the inner circle. Exactly. Yeah, well, look, I, look, he was a very charming man when I met him at the AFC Awards a number of years ago. It was just a, it was a, a selected round table of journalists, and I was there for for no reason because <laughs> I was not a journalist. So I don't know why I was selected. Oh, but, but but the thing is. Uh, Charming man, uh, does a, has done a lot for Asian football and in particular was a power broker, a driver behind Qatar getting the 2022 World Cup. And maybe he that's made him a target mm. for a lot of people. Who knows whether the the pictures of the 40000 US dollars uh, that was allegedly uh, handed as a gift to many of the Caribbean Football Union was uh, uh, by way of just paying expenses – 
by definition or whether that was uh, some sort of a bribe. That'll come out in the wash, Rodrigo. But uh, these are very powerful men in uh, himself. Jack, Jack, Jack Warner, we talked about Sepp Blatter before, all under investigation, uh, spotlight on them at the moment. Well, let's hope he can clear his, his, his name here because uh, and because the Asia needs a strong uh, president. Rodrigo, if he's done the wrong oh, thing, I'm, oh, no, I'm he's got to go down. I mean, you, you're getting soft at the I moment. know. On Muhammad, oh, well, I feel sorry for him. Yeah, no, uh, let the ethics committee do their job, Rodrigo. I know like you, you'd like to interfere. You like to interfere <laughs> with these things. Let the ethics committee do its job. And if he's done wrong, he should go, uh, you know, he should uh, take his punishment. But if he hasn't, uh, let's hope that he can recover by the fact he hasn't had a chance to uh, stand for the election. You're right. I need to call the Pope just to make <laughs> sure that he's across this as well. Let's move on from uh, the, you know, the wonderful world of FIFA. And let's talk about uh, the Australian A-League and the 2011-2012 uh, draw was released. And, uh, Wow, Carlos, is this a new Football Federation Australia? They're talking about more marketing dollars, some uh, massive games. You know, they're starting with Melbourne Victory versus Sydney FC. You know, traditional rivals, the big grand final replay, um, Brisbane Raw versus Central Coast Mariners at Suncorp Stadium. Um, fantastic uh, first weekend of football. Rodrigo, I love the weekend of the, sorry, the Wednesday, the 4th of January, What's where happened? there are five games back to back. Back to back, right throughout Australia, and uh, so it's a bevy on uh, on TV and also radio, and uh, we'll be covering it all, Rodrigo. Uh, it'll be in our own backyard, but we'll be covering it. And uh, I just love what they've done. It's very f- fan friendly. Very few midweek games. I think they had thirty midweek games last season. They've only got ten, but it, they're all strategically placed during the holiday period. The, the FFA have listened to the fans mm. on this one, and I think they'll get the benefits. And uh, the the actual first game is on October the 8th. So we've still got a bit of time to wait, but uh, hopefully the wait will be uh, worth it because uh, I can't wait for the, you know, the A-League season. Socceroo friendlies are happening, Carlos, and uh, this weekend, actually, Adelaide Oval in uh, South Australia, of course. On Sunday, the 5th of June, it's Australia taking on uh, the Kiwis, the New Zealanders, um, in what is always a really entertaining uh, affair. You can build up the trans-Tasman rivalry, Rodrigo, but this is a walkover we need for to. Australia. There's nothing happening apart from all the politicking <laughs> in Zurich at the moment. We need to pump up the actual I know game. we've got a lot of our Kiwi friends listening uh, and also all of our Oceanic and uh, Pacific friends listening throughout uh, the Pacific area, but... Uh, the Socceroos have got this in the bag. A lot of hungry players there, uh, you know, really looking to cement themselves in that side. Without the likes of uh, Harry Kuehl, Mark Swartz, da- Tim Cale and David Carney, there's some openings there. And a lot of the young boys are hungry, Rodrigo, and I think that they're going to be staking a claim for uh, permanent positions. And then it's uh, Melbourne at the Dockland Stadium on Tuesday this, uh, in Melbourne against uh, Serbia on the 7th of June, which promises to be, hopefully, uh, an interesting game. You've toned me down a bit, Carlos. Yeah, because you're starting to say that look, you're, I suppose it was going to be a revenge game or something, yes. but this is a friendly Rodrigo. Oh. Uh, it's only just uh, the same shirts that they're wearing, not the same personnel. And just quickly, it's farewell to Robbie Fowler as he is uh, done and dusted with the A-League. He advised uh, Perth Glory chairman Tony Sage that uh, he won't be returning to Perth for the next season of the A-League due to family reasons. It's sad because uh, he certainly made for that Perth market, probably joined them a, a year or two too late. I thought that uh, the year he spent at uh, North Queensland wasn't, uh, you know, he really should have been in Perth because that's where the expat population are. That, that's where, if at his best, he would have uh, drawn in the big crowds. But good on, Robbie. He, he did add to the league. And if you're doing it for your family, Rodrigo, you're doing it for good reason. The best reasons, Carlos. Uh, thanks for that. 
Remember, you can email us on fordiegos at bigpond.com. That's not you, Carlos. That's our <laughs> listeners, F-O-U-R-D-I-E-G-O-S at bigpond.com or on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash fordiegos. Uh, make sure you get involved in our discussion. Stay tuned. Coming up, it's a special soft sombrero moment with coach of the Matildas, Tommy Somani. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. Class is when they run you out of town to look like you're leading a parade. This has been a profound coaching moment by the four Diego's. You were on your own, you do as you please. Had so much fun, got a Welcome back. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. Coming up is a wrap of all things happening in the world football scene. But first, let's check, let's check in with the coach of the Australian women's football team, the Matildas, and get the latest news on his team's bid to win the 2011 Women's World Cup in Germany. Please, a big Four Diego's World Football Weekly welcome to Matildas coach Tommy Samani. Tommy, welcome to the show. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? Oh, very well, thanks. It's Rodrigo Rodriguez and Carlos Alberto Diego. Now, this is a cliche-free zone, Tommy. <laughs> Not for long. Not for long until you start speaking, right? Yeah. <laughs> Look, it is nervous times for the Diegos, and I tried to talk up the friendlies uh, over the weekend between Australia, New Zealand and Serbia. Um, but uh, I'm going to talk this up because we're only four weeks away from the Matildas opening match against uh, the team's uh, 2007 nemesis Brazil at the 2011 uh Women's World Cup in Germany. How are you and the girls feeling at this stage? Um, well, it's getting close, close to sort of going away time. Squad's almost finalised, so um, everybody's getting close to fitness. We've had a few injury concerns of late, so so it's getting close to that time when everything starts to come together and and all the stuff starts in relation to you know the publicity and uniforms and all that kind of stuff. So that's when you're really beginning to begin to feel that the World Cup's not far away. Now, Tommy, it's Carlos. Now, post the girls' fantastic Asian Cup win last season, we joked in an interview here on uh, World Football Weekly with you about the extra expectation that uh, comes with winning such a tough tournament so close to the World Cup. Now, we said at the time that we expect you to win the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are the girls ready to fulfil the Diego's uh, expectations on this one? Well, you know, they would hate to let you guys down. <laughs> Um, oh, we know we're so the talk of the camp. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's strange how expectations do suddenly get higher when you, you have a result that we did, we were fortunate enough to have last year. But I think, you know, within our squad, we, we don't actually talk about things like that. We really just want to focus on doing the best job that, that we can. And, I mean, in, in reality, going to the World Cup, I, I would say apart from Germany, the US and probably Brazil, I don't think anybody else has earned the rights to actually say they can win the World Cup. I think the rest of us are all in there competing and want to do as well as we can. But I think those three countries are the, the genuine ones who have got the pedigree and the history and the results on the board to actually say, you know, we can actually win this. The rest of us, we are in there to, to do our best and progress as far as we can. That's cliche number one. <laughs> That's not bad. That's number three, as I can see it, uh, Now, you've had the, the team in camp, you know, working them hard, but it hasn't been smooth sailing. How big a blow was it when uh, Kate Gill was ruled out with a serious knee injury? Yeah, fairly significant blow. You know, Kate's taken her game to a new level over the last probably 18 months, from being a squad player to being a, a regular starter, Asian player of the year, being arguably one of our most critical players in the, the Asian Cup win last year. Um, to lose her, you know, a few weeks out is is a big blow, and it, I mean, it's a blow for the team. It's a, a tremendously uh, devastating blow for her, given all the work that she's done. 
in a sense, we're, we're fortunate now that we've got you know um, far more depth in the squad and, and a lot more sort of player, particularly in, in the striking ranks, that can actually sort of fill in the gap that she's left. But I think any team misses good players. You know, when you lose a, a quality player, no matter who you are, you miss that player. You're listening to World Football Weekly here on ABC Radio Australia, and we're speaking with uh, Matilda's coach, uh, Tommy Samani. Tommy, it's Carlos again. Now, the Diego's love discipline, and you have proved that you don't mind it either uh, when you had to send star striker Lisa Devana home after an indiscretion in the camp. Now, happily, she's back in the squad, but how hard was it for you to, to take the hard line with a mercurial player that could actually... Maybe you know, given certain circumstances and variables, uh, win you the World Cup one day. Um, it is, it's not easy, and it's not easy making those decisions generally because um, you know you're, you're you're impacting a lot of things um, when you, you're going to make that decision. You're impacting stuff within the team. You're obviously impacting that player. Um, it, it's creating a, a sort of buzz of publicity around the team that you would rather you'd rather not have. So. So there's a lot of things that you know we I thought very very carefully um, about taking that action, but under the circumstances that I felt and and under the same circumstances would do the same. It was important to do that at that particular that particular time, and and hopefully you know Lisa arrived back into camp today, um, and and hopefully from from now on into the World Cup things will run smoothly. Tell us about uh, the character that is Lisa Devana, though, uh, uh, Tommy. Uh, like, a, like we said, a, a, an excellent player on her day. She can really carve up defences and score fantastic goals. But obviously at times she's uh, she's actually been a bit of a colourful character at times. Ernie Merrick once said, uh, the Melbourne Victory coach, uh, former Melbourne Victory coach, said that Archie Thompson was uncoachable. Is Lisa in that same category? Um, in a different sense. Um, you know, I, I, you don't actually want to coach players like Lisa too much because yeah. it's their X factor and the, and the unpredictable that, that makes them such good players and that ability to have that innate ability to do something that they don't even know that they're doing you know a lot of times I speak to Lisa and she said I'm not quite sure I know what I'm going to do but as soon as I get the ball at my feet sometimes it's like a light switching on I suddenly know what I have to do but I don't have any there's no pre preconception there that she thinks I'm going to do this when I get the ball and you, you can't take that out of players. You don't want to coach that out of players. It's a, a big danger if you do. Um, you know, I think um, unpredictable times off the field as well. So, you know, there's certain circumstances and situations that Lisa doesn't cope that well in. And um, the balancing act is constantly, you know, making sure that we have a productive relationship with Lisa on the field and a productive relationship within the team on and off the field mm. and sometimes that gets a little bit strained um, with characters like Lisa and, and you see it in all sorts of different sports you see that particularly gifted player has some of those quirks um, in saying that Lisa's an important player and an, an important person in our, in our group and, and that X factor she brings and at times that anger she brings is actually good and healthy for the team it's just sort of keeping it in check so it, it becomes and remains a positive for the team and not letting it get out of hand where it becomes a negative for the team and impacts the team in a negative way. 
Now, Tommy, uh, you've proven and we've known you for a long time now that you're uh, hard as nails, uh, coach. You're pretty tough, you know. But even you, with that, you know, hard Scottish exterior, you know, you must be dreading having to cull your squad down to 21 on June 8. Now, three girls have to be told their World Cup dream is over. You know, many coaches have to face this, but how are you going to cope with that? It is very, very difficult, and it's much more difficult in this environment. If you're in the men's professional league, whether it be the A-League or you're in Europe or somewhere else, you know, it's a profession and it's expected, and um, and players have got other avenues to go to to sort of soften the blow, if you like. Um, with the, the players that we've got in this team at the minute, the, the quality of work that they've done, the commitment they've given, and the way they've been around the team is unbelievable. And that's where it becomes really, really hard to sort of sit down with them and, and tell them that the World Cup dream is over. Um, it, it's just part of the job that you have to do. And, and what we, well, certainly what I always try to do is as best I can is be, you know, as, as honest and as straightforward as I can be to, to give reasons why, you know, you're making decisions. And, and quite often during the year we'll have individual meetings and quite often we'll have team meetings where I'll point out the the, the process that we're going through for to make these decisions, and um, so at least players know what's happening. But at the end of the day, when you're sitting down beside a player and you're giving her that bad news, um, it, it breaks. I'll be honest, it breaks your heart. It's really, really difficult. Tommy, I'm glad it's you and not the Diego's. We'd be crying. We probably want to give our spot to the girls. Anyway. We buy them tickets, Carlos. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> now, Tommy, the the Diego's are calling your World Cup group of Brazil, Norway, and Equatorial Guinea the group of mild trepidation. Not quite the group of death, but something to worry a little bit about. What do you know about each of the teams? And you must be relieved that Equatorial Guinea have no men in it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we hope. We're living hope. Well, they went through the testing and stuff. They're okay. <laughs> yes, yeah. We might have to do a bit of hands-on testing when we get out on the field. <laughs> um, the, the, yeah, we don't know anything about them. Fortunately, we're playing them second, so we'll get an idea to look at them. We've had a, a reasonable look at Brazil and, and Norway, and, and the kind of what, they are what we expect, and I, and I think we can be competitive against both of those teams. Norway play typically like the Norway men's team, you know, a fairly rigid sort of four four two aggressive kind of game. And I, and I think, you know, if, if our players play to their potential, I, I think we've got more technical ability and pace in our team that we can we can cope with them. Brazil are, are always difficult and awkward, but, you know, we've had good match-up with Brazil, match-ups with Brazil over the last few years. Um, and, and we just sort of feel within this team, there's a feeling in the group that whoever we go out and play against... Um, you know, we can do okay. And I think part of that is we've got a very young team who don't know an awful lot about what's going on, so they don't have any fear. Mm. Well, Tommy, before we let you go, and we really appreciate your time here on World Football Weekly, it's hard to ask this question, but obviously you want to win the World Cup, but what would be a successful campaign? It's a very good question. It's hard to answer than just pure results. I think we obviously want to get past the group stage. I think that's that's really important. We want to try and do better because as a team you want to keep improving so we want to do better than we did in the previous World Cup so that that's what we'd like to try and do but at the same time I think what's important is actually how we play I think you know in the last World Cup I think uh, the spectators and the fans saw a team that, that really played with its heart and its leave and another cliche and, and um, <laughs> really sort of you know showed that Australian spirit as well as good scale etc and that's what we want to do in this World Cup. We want to see that our players in Australia 
can not only match it with the best players in the world, but but in in sort of physical terms, but also in the terms of scale and the way that we play the game. And I think that's that's the critical thing. So that when we come away from the World Cup, regardless of results, we won't have regrets about you know we could have played better. Well, Tommy, I don't think any other coach could have answered that uh, better. <laughs> but, uh, look, we really wish you well. We're going to be uh, cheering you guys on. Uh, we really hope you win the World Cup. But uh, bon voyage to you and the team, and uh, we can't wait uh, till June when the World Cup in Germany kicks off. Thanks for your time. Thanks very much. Appreciate your support, guys. No worries at all. That was a special soft sombrero moment with coach of the Matildas, Tommy Samani. Next up, it's a global football update, so stay tuned. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. your coach is not fired with enthusiasm, he will be fired with enthusiasm. This has been a profound coaching moment by the four Diegos. Welcome back. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia, your weekly dose of world football. Don't forget, uh, you can email us on 4diegos at bigpond.com or follow Carlos, Vinny and all the other Diegos on twitter.com forward slash 4diegos. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the world game. Rodrigo, you, you never claim your Twitters. Well, you know, I... I you do tweet. Well, I'm a... I'm a you know, un, I'm an undisclosed uh, tweeter. <laughs> Understated tweeter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I was thinking about real estate then. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> let's talk about the UEFA Champions League final between Barcelona and Manchester United, arguably two of the biggest uh, clubs in the world. Barcelona it was, 3-1 at uh, Wembley Stadium. Messi, Pedro and Villa scored for Barcelona. And Wayne Rooney chipped in with a lovely goal for Manchester United. But, you know, Barcelona... They are the best team in the world. Rodrigo, you're angry with Sepp Blatter in FIFA because of the whole election and how that went about. I'm angry with them because they took the gloss mm. with all the news and the media during the week about all the allegations of corruption and the leadership and all that sort of stuff. Uh, took the gloss away from the finest team this world's ever seen, I believe, in the history of world wow. football. They are fantastic. And the way they dismantled a very, very good uh, Manchester United side under one of the best managers we've ever seen, also in Sir Alex Ferguson. What a fantastic performance by that team. And uh, it was plucky in the first 10 or 15 minutes from Man Manchester United. Really did throw everything at the uh, the Barcelona side. But they, when they settled, they played some of the most sumptuous football, Rodrigo, that I've ever seen. You like the term sumptuous. I loved it, Carlos. Yeah, because they, do, they did play... Quite beautiful, beautiful football. Well, it's all the great players they've got at the same time. You know, Messi, of course, stands above you know every other player just about in the world game. You know, Xavi, Iniesta, the, the list just goes on and on. And even Sir Alex Ferguson, um, great as he is, came out and said, well, you know what, when you get beaten by the best team in the world, you can't complain too much. He's been in the game at the top level for over 20 years and he's played in all the big games, won Champions League as himself. But then he says that that was the most comprehensive beating his team's ever received. So uh, you can be in the game for a very, very long, long time and you can still uh, you know, get very some really big highs and very low lows. But this will uh, make um, him now transition this team. Uh, they need to really restock. And uh, even though they've won the English Premier League, you'd think that he will go and buy some, uh, some players that really will uh, allow him to win the Champions League next time. And a few seconds, Carlos, a great career for um, Paul Scholes at Manchester United. Fantastic. Uh, he spent his whole year very, very loyal there at Manchester United. Could have gone anywhere in Europe. Fantastic. Thanks, Carlos. That's it for this week's show. You can join us from 4diegos.com for your dose of world football every week here on World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. Until next week, ole! ole.